just step up and, uh, and teach a class. So uh, this is the culmination of that. I would ask you to bear with the delays in the audio, the video, etc., and uh, give him the honor he is due. Um, I respect him and uh, appreciate his opportunity to step up. So uh, I give you, uh, I give you, David. Okay, so everybody can hear me okay? We can hear you okay. Does it sound like I'm yelling? Uh, yeah. It sounds like you're mad. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I thought uh, it would be best. Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, thank uh, the ZD class for allowing us to uh, tap into you guys for a few years now and uh, now even uh, be able to kind of fellowship with you and uh, do the do class here. Like we're almost sitting there. It's like we're sitting in the back corner on top of the couch, so it's perfect. <laughs> um, I also thought it would be wise to just introduce uh, Mark and Wayne, um, Mark Pidduck and Wayne Taylor. And uh, obviously, are you on the first slide there, yeah. Joseph? Oh, yes, sir. Okay, so um, I thought even just to give some context as to uh, who we are up here, I guess, and how we might have a particular bias when we approach this type of uh, topic. Um, I'm sure everybody down there is kind of the same way. When I look at something that's maybe challenging my halakha or, or something like that, I want to make sure as best as I can, I guess, put my bias in a box so I understand um, what kind of glasses I might have on my when I approach a topic. So just so you know, I, I was born and raised on a farm and uh, both Wayne and Mark also have ties to the farm, so there might be some uh, some things that we kind of need to set aside when we're when we're looking at a topic like this, right? Um, hopefully that makes sense. All right, so I'm going to go to the second slide there. I think I am. I did it faster than you. I can't make mine work. Okay, technology problem. Stand by. That's all right. I I know what it says. We know there what it says. There we go. All right. What, what IT? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Okay, so the title of the podcast, I trust everybody had an opportunity to at least uh, listen through it once. The 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 title of it is is, is veganism good for your soul? So. Um, I just thought I'd ask, I guess, I don't know how this is going to work back and forth there, but I'd ask kind of everybody, what, um, what, what is the main thrust of the, of the podcast from what everybody's uh, opinion is? Right. Um, I guess what I kind of felt as I listened to it was that um, the idea that meat-eating, um, anything to do with um, animals almost to the point where sort of our normal sort of view of, of how we view animals, um, well, that you're eating and so on, is maybe not um, as uh, righteous as maybe we could be. Sure. Uh, that's the gist of what I sort of got from that teaching. Okay. Same here. Oh, Anybody have anything else down there? Colby. Uh, 
one thing that they brought up in the in the teaching was that veganism, and especially here in America, especially in conservative circles, has a pretty negative connotation to it, in the sense that it's usually thought of as tree hugging, very liberal, um, hippie type type person that would be a, a vegan. But these guys had a had a great point on it. You know, one, they, they said to use the word vegetarian because vegan is obviously frowned upon, especially in, in our circles. You don't want to start that conversation. But one thing that I, I really learned from them was that we've always known in the Torah that God cares how animals are slaughtered, but they brought a new level to it in that something has to die in order for us to eat meat, which was a course an, an obvious fact but it was it was interesting to hear and the, sure, they right. said that yeah and uh one last thing you could tell that these men had constantly adjusted their lives because of things they had learned and they brought up a very good point when you're diving into something like this or making a lifestyle change that it's better to start out in small increments um, in order to make sure you finish the race, you could tell these were wise men who have changed many lifestyles in their lifetime. Great, Well, yeah. So, uh, so one one thing too, of course, I'm sure everybody picked up on this, is that uh, Jeremy, of it's course, has made this recent decision uh, to you know kind of uh, forego any type of. Uh, uh, consumption of animal or animal products, but Ari is not. Ari is yeah. Ari is not, not. You know, was listening to Jeremy's arguments and trying to understand his perspective. Uh, but at the same time, Ari was saying, "You know, I hear you, but I'm I'm not I'm not there." Um, and so, um, uh, so you know, I think I think that's interesting. But I guess I guess at the end of the day, I think. Um, you know, Jeremy, when he started off his, you know, his um, dissertation, he started with the the point of going back to, you know, sort of pre, you know, pre-flood um, times where, you know, prior to the flood, uh, scripture s- seems to indicate that all we were eating was non-animal products or at least vegetarianism maybe not veganism but unclear on that point but it wasn't until after the flood where god then permits noah and then all the subsequent you know generations to consume meat and and so i think i think on one level jeremy is is saying you know look uh it was the original intent and it was god's perfect will that we only have a vegetarian slash vegan diet, that changed um, primarily as a result of sin and death coming into the in, in, into the equation. But so I think he was starting off his premise by kind of hearkening 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 back to the garden where God said to Adam and Chava, you know. Um, these will be for you know food for you the 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 herbs the trees the seeds you know etc. So uh, so I think that was kind of the starting point of his of his arguments. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. He did mention the Genesis passage, if that's the ideal, uh, but 
he also he, he Jeremy did kind of a bookend type deal where he he started off with well Genesis is the idea and we fell from that but he also kind of had uh, Isaiah eleven six in there where the wolf will lie down with the lamb and that's going to be Alam Haba so we've got the beginning of creation being uh, vegetarianism or veganism whatever you want to call it and we've got the world to come being this so we need to bring those ideals into the world now and that starts with you and me and the uh, all of the sacrifices and all that that was well to, he didn't say this but essentially this is all temporary uh, but ultimately we need to attain to those ideals because of how it was before and how it will be. And so the faster we do that, the faster that we're going to bring about the ideal state of not just no meat, but everything else that com comes with the ideal state. Johnny? Uh, sort of bouncing off what you said, they, they actually equated this extreme preservation of life to um, contributing to tikkun olam, the repairing of the world. And you know, I, I thought that that was, that was kind of a, a major point of what they were saying also, because they were holding life in such a high regard that, um, that by not doing any kind of killing in any sense is actually contributing to the repair of the world. Right. I'll, I'll finish up on this side of the uh, we're not on another side of a pond let's see, I'll, I'll do this on, on the warmer side of the continent um, like many of the men have said I, I was uh, I was taken by the, uh, the concept that in the garden um, you eat fruits vegetables, that kind of thing I, got, I get that and, and that perhaps is the idyllic state. Um, but I think uh, without stealing your thunder, uh, there are some, some things that changed, some commands that were given. Um, I'm all for repairing the world. I like tikkun olam. Um, but uh, I like steak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I. It is what it is. So I didn't say I agree. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, I've got I've got a meat and potatoes friend on the back couch there too. So I, I, uh, I, I as I listened to his podcast in the beginning, I was drawn in to the whole. Gosh, this is the way it was, and this is the way it's going to be, and shouldn't we? help Messiah come uh, you know uh, forget that we all have to keep Shabbat or whatever else the sages said would, would uh, speed the coming of Messiah if we all stop eating meat Messiah will come I, I just I didn't buy that part and I uh, I'm, I'm struggling with with the whole I don't like tree huggers I don't like hippies I, I I don't even like him, so you know, there you go. <laughs> Good, great. Uh, so I, I I agree that that was the ideal state described in the garden, and I also agree that we're going back to the garden. That's the, that's the point. 
So we will, in Olam Haba, I do not believe we will be eating meat because I do not believe there will be death in Olam Haba. However, because of sin entering the calculus here, um, we, we now have clear commands where uh, certain people have to eat meat. Not, not may. Have to. Have to eat meat um, by God's design. And so the real question becomes, in, in those instances, why is that? Um, because I think the why of that is really important to, uh, to understand. But, um, but even the whole concept of if we all stop eating you know, animals, we will hasten the, ret- the return of Mashiach. Um, even if that were true, I think the scripture's clear we will be eating meat with Mashiach. In fact, the sages say at the what the what Christianity would call the marriage supper of the Lamb, okay, um, what the sages say that at that particular event we will eat with Messiah and all the Kedoshim, all the all the saints that are that are present, we will eat the uh, Leviathan and the behemoth that Messiah himself will slaughter and, and prepare. That's a, that's a common messianic teaching within Judaism. Uh, now, is that true? Is that really going to happen? Don't know. Don't really care. But the point is, there's an understanding in Judaism that we will, in fact, be eating meat with Messiah when he rules from that city for a thousand years. Uh, so, you know, things like Passover, every home, if there's a temple standing and you meet the other qualifications to participate, you have to um, prepare um, a lamb and consume it before the following day. So, what do you do with that? You know, is Jeremy saying that if the temple suddenly was standing again in Jerusalem, is he now not going to keep the commandment of, of to, to eat the Pesach because of his new understanding of, you know, yeah. veganism, veganism? Yeah. or vegetarianism? Colby, you're good. David, you're going to get a chance here in a minute, I'm sure. <laughs> Just to reify back to the garden... You know, and, and no meat. Rashi's commentary, Genesis chapter 9, verse 3. It says, Every moving thing that lives shall be yours to eat, like the green vegetation I have given you everything. Commentary says from Sanhedrin 59b. Uh, Rashi says, For I did not permit the first man, Adam, to eat meat, but only vegetation. But for you, just as the green vegetation which I permitted the first man, I have given you everything. And they go on to say that that was the verse when man was allowed to eat meat. Hmm. That was spoken to Noah. What? That was spoken to Noah. Yes. And that was spoken to Noah. Yeah. All right. We'll just All right. Joshua's next, and I got you. Joshua. Um, you mentioned the temple system and the offerings there, and I do think that that's a very strong argument against the mandatory vegetarianism, veganism that Jeremy was encouraging. Um, 
However, to Jeremy's credit, he didn't rule out the offerings. Right. Um, Rabbi Gimpel, in his comments, did did note that um, in an I, you know, that quasi idyllic state where you have sanctified priests doing the doing the correct slaughter preparation, you know, humanely treating the animals, fulfilling all the Torah mitzvot dot 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 on the on the actual preparation of the meat. Um, and if it was for the purpose of an offering, which by itself is an elevated spiritual experience that not only elevates you, but also elevates the item being offered up, sanctified by being on the altar, Jeremy conceded that that might be like spiritually significant enough to justify eating meat. Um, his argument was more against eating it on a general basis. The only I, I, I am somewhat um, dissuaded from that, though, by the simple fact that the animal products are most used in the temple. Um, the commandments and sacrifices are there. The commandments to wear wool show up with the priesthood, at least in the pre-Messianic age. Um, and so it seems to me like it's actually almost more important to be using the animal products in, a, in the most holy place on earth, which makes me think that it's like, and God, again, throughout the, the, the Torah is constantly reiterating, I have given, you know, when, he, when you can't eat it in a holy place, I've given it to you as I gave the deer and so on and so forth. So it definitely seems like it, for a begrudging concession, which is kind of the way that Jeremy presents it as, God doesn't seem too begrudging in giving over the ability to eat, to eat meat. I, just two, two things. I like how Jeremy didn't overreact to this crazy loon that was described in the podcast. I was like, that guy's just nuts. Veganism's ridiculous. But, but that's what Ari like, said. He was nuts. Right. So just... But, <laughs> I was on Ari's side, I, I, and but Jeremy brought a good balance to the point where, off, where well, obviously this guy's extreme, but this is the point he's making, and it's a good point. Regardless yeah. of it's going to come in, yeah. uh, radical, and also um, <laughs> even traditionally today, uh, you know, the the concept of the Sabbath as being a day where you you indulge in physical desires, and that includes delicacies of the carnivorous nature so, so well, that's for me right so and so that that, that parallels very nicely with with the messianic age of being you know, the, a thousand years of shabbat basically and where that's that if anything you reserve that you know carnivorous <coughs> delicacy for a very special occasion um and, and that that's a good point that uh jeremy and, and aria eventually kind of you know um being included on yeah david so does everybody understand the difference between a vegan and a vegetarian? What the what the actual difference is? A vegan's one who lost his mind. A vegetarian's <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I think we're good. Please, I think we're good here. But please explain it, though. <laughs> well, okay. So a vegan would be opposed to any animal product, right? That that includes a range of honey, milk, cheese, eggs, meat wearing any leather, using any animal product in any way, right? So we're not just talking about the ingestion of animal products. We're also talking about the use of them. They would be against you eating, hurting sheep and that type of thing, right? So milk and honey, and with your opening slide, is, is a non-starter. What was that, sorry? Say that again. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a no-go. It's a... It's yeah, that, okay, so yeah. the land flowing with milk and honey. It's interesting that Adonai describes a land with with components that a vegan would say are repulsive. Well, so there's the end of the class, right? And we're done. Yep, done in five minutes. <laughs> That's it. And <laughs> joke. <laughs>
Okay. Wait, so, wait, wait. Stand by. Wait. Uh, tefillin. Tefillin is made yeah. out of leather. Tefillin. Your Torah scrolls. But but there's something deeper, I think. There, there's something much deeper here. It's about relative versus universal morality. This this fellow that's the extreme vegan takes it upon himself to mete out justice. Sort of like Pinchas in the Old Testament that put the spear through the fellow with the woman that I believe was a Midianite. And, but in that case, that was considered a good thing after the fact. But what this fellow is doing obviously is not. So I think we have to be very careful that if we decide to take the law in our own hands, that we should see Judge Wapner, that we should really think, does this somehow vary from a universal morality? And if it does, are we giving license to every anarchist to interpret things their own way? And we'd have absolute chaos. I think, I think Judge Wapner is an American, but Judge Judy is a Canadian. So which slide are you on right now? You have two and you have all the points up there. Basically, uh, what I'm showing there is that um, what Jeremy and Ari, at least the, the individuals that they draw on the most are Gary Urofsky, which is the, the fanatic that somebody I think there said. Um, Rob Cook and Rob Yosef, uh, and I can't say that, so Right. So that's some scholarship that they referenced, and I thought at the end we'd just kind of review some of the specific podcast points, which uh, we might be able to pass that pretty quick now. We've had that long discussion, and then a general discussion. So I don't know if anybody knows who, uh, go to slide three there, and just pull up all the points, I guess. Um, so Rob Cook from what I could tell, was uh, the, uh, the first Ashkenazi chief rabbi during the British uh, uh, state. And he grew up in Russia, and then um, he promoted the ideal of vegetarianism, not veganism, right? Um, he suggested that, again, uh, as Mr. Hoffman was saying, in the uh, it's likely that we're to be vegetarians, let's say. Um, and if that's the case, then it is the ideal. However, in his writing, the, and I have the, the book up there, The Vision of Vegetarian and Peace, he's, he seems quite adamant, at least to the sympathy that I could find, that it's just, this isn't something that we should uh, seek to play it now. Right? Um, he, he was so adamant about it, I guess, that he made sure that he had chicken on Shabbat, a small portion. Just to indicate that you can't be vegetarians now, because uh, um, it seemed to be his point that man is not capable of of elevating an animal, the sanctity of an animal's life, to a human's life. But what would happen is that he would lower the sanctity of man's life to an animal's life, and uh, um, when that happens, then actually it's easier to justify killing a man than. Uh, than actually raising the sanctity of the animal to the point where you don't want to kill it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yep. And I think it was Jeremy's point that if we were to all become vegans, if not vegetarians, that the morality of the world would rise and death would stop. 
kind of thing. So. Right. Um, yeah, so I guess what Cook is saying is that that's not a possibility, or at least in his uh, understanding, but that's not how it's going to work. Right? Well, and, and I think, well, I think if I can, I think Rob Cook is right because Gary, what's his name, is sort of, uh, as for, is sort of acting the way Ralph Cook said people would act, meaning, meaning Gary is running around physically assaulting people who, you know, somehow go against his ideal of veganism. And so therefore he has no problem harming a human in order to, in order to, you know, elevate the status of animals. Right. Which, which is exactly what Ralph Cook was, is saying would happen. That the standard wouldn't be to elevate animals; it would be to to, to lower, lower the man, lower the man. And that's kind of what Gary, what's his name, is Sorry, is is acting like, in my opinion. Oh, no, totally. Oh, I got it. You, you, um, likewise, the uh, that the one crazy guy, whatever his name was, Gary. Gary. Uh, <laughs> When he first <laughs> Gary So when he first came on the podcast, he's describing these poor chickens going to the Holocaust. Uh, and man. right there you have the comparison between these Jewish souls who went through an actual ordeal and that the world is never really going to recover from and chickens like that's I mean I'm not to make fun of the point but that you're not elevating chickens in that case you're dehumanizing everyone who went through the holocaust that's well, right. the, how do you but how do you know though how do I know what like how can you make the differentiation between whether you're lifting chickens up or putting humans down well I think that um I think it was Ari who brought up the the, 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 con, the teaching the tradition that Cain and Abel actually did precisely this and according to one one tradition um abel brings an animal offering and is accepted by god and cain sees that and thinks oh animal life is okay to be killed but in his mind he equates humans and animals so he justifies his murder of abel on the on the fact that abel had killed an animal as part of an offering that was acceptable to god um similarly uh with this whole uh topic on the holocaust um, I think it was Ari that pointed out that um, the Nazis actually were pushing animal rights in the midst of you know all these horrific things they were doing to people. So I, I feel like the more that I have seen, certainly of secular vegetarianism, I haven't seen a lot of religious ones, but secular vegetarianism, it tends to be violent, it tends to be sexually immoral, it tends to be very um, nasty to pretty much everything else that I believe in. So rather than elevate the morality, it looks like it tends to equate humans and animals too much, yeah. at least in this world. If, 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 if I can jump in. Um, I'm really trying to weigh my words so I don't sound like an irate Italian. Uh, if that's possible. Okay. Every vegan... All the PETA people that I have ever met. You better stop Man, now. This is <laughs> <laughs> we got the point. I've got, I, I can feel it. I've got young men here too. 
every every PETA person that I have met is trying to tell me that if if you if you drown three kittens, it's the same as killing. It's it's actually worse than killing three men. And I just cannot buy that. I. Right. Right. Can I? Yeah. I was just curious. Is the guy that is this guy Gary? I, I don't know that it was mentioned at all during the the podcast that they did. Is this you know this radical you know activist for this vegan movement? Is he is he Jewish or yes. religious? Yes, yes, Jewish. Oh, okay. Definitely Jewish. Okay. I don't know if he's religious. But he's I think he's Israeli. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I know the right. scriptures. Oh, oh. Oh. Go ahead. Just pull, if we're going to talk about Gary, maybe we can just hold, and I've got uh, a discussion about that. All right, go ahead. Wait, okay. Talk about scripture. Yeah. I just go. Make Wait. a point. The, the only, as uh, someone of Jewish background, the only relationship I can see that Jewish people had to chickens is they both know how to make a buck. <laughs> wow. <That's about> it. <laughs> He's Wayne's going to be in town all week. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, do you have something? No. Not better than that. No. no. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. to follow. Right. Okay, so uh, can you pull up uh, slide four there? And uh, I guess just clip up all the, the points there. You're on Soloveitchik? Yes, correct. So he believed that, uh, I think this is where uh, Joshua, This is, I think he developed it, or at least he reiterated the, the story of Cain and Abel, right, where... Uh, um, Cain is confused about whether man is more important or equal to animal life. Um, so he believed that all life, even animal life, is sanctified on the same level, it seemed like, anyway. Uh, that in, uh, He's the one who kind of started the idea that God gave in to man's desires at the flood. So he, he, was, uh, he talks about how the... Um, man declines and he starts eating meat or whatever, and that's one of the precipitating factors to him wanting, I think Jeremy says, hit the reboot button and start over again. Um, so it is, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that causes the flood, and then afterwards God realizes that uh, man won't be able to not eat meat, so he gives the animals over to Noah in, in chapter 9 there. I guess uh, I've got a question. I got a question on that. Uh, do we know for certain that we were that we being mankind were eating meat in that first thousand years? Not scripture. So I mean, within the scripture, there's no indication that there's we were. Death of an well, it does. Talk well, but about see here, yes, yeah, so this is where I'm going. So there's no indication from the scripture that we were eating meat um, in that first thousand years pre-flood maybe we were, maybe we weren't but we would have to look elsewhere to determine that I think but we do know that animals were sacrificed in that period of time and the first animal sacrifice was performed by Hashem himself because when Adam and Hava fell, and now they're now they are naked, and they are aware of their nakedness. And Hashem comes walking in the garden that afternoon. And he says, "Adam, where are you?" You know that whole that whole um, 
portion of scripture ends up with God taking animal skins and covering them uh, because they're naked. Well, where did the animal skins come from? I submit that God performed the very first animal sacrifice right there in Genesis 3.21. So, so if animal life has the same level of sanctity as humans, then that would seem to fly in the face of what God himself actually did who was the very first one to perform any type of an animal sacrifice. But as far as consuming meat, I don't know that it's clear from Scripture until after the flood when God clearly tells um, Noah and his family that now you can eat of the un, of the uh, clean you know of the clean animals and Noah was able to restrain himself and his sons during the maiden voyage of the Noah ark from killing the animals to eat them evidently oh, yeah I mean yeah well that's, you'd, you'd run out of yeah you know in a broader point, I, I've, I've known a lot of vegans, and they've only been, they don't eat meat or dairy type of things. I've never met a vegan, and I've known a lot, who don't even wear leather, who, who only wear linen or whatever. But but even then, looking at scriptural accounts of the book of Genesis, I, there's there's no way you can have a nomadic society that doesn't revolve around the herd, that the, um, what's the word, uh, the herding or the uh, domesticating animals for a useful Purpose. So that was in hurting, not hurting. Her- I got you. Well, okay, hurting. There's another word for it. I mean, yeah. With a D. Right, with a D, right. Thank you. Wayne. I just, I just want to add to the point of uh, Rob Wilkham. Uh, he cited Genesis uh, 3.21. What's interesting, in Genesis 3.7, after the temptation and eating of the fruit, it says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, fig leaves are fairly big, but the idea was that they made something out of vegetable matter. But from God's perspective, that was not sufficient. So, as Rav Upham said, that the Lord sacrificed animals and made them garments of cloth. So, next Shabbos, leather pants, everybody? There it is. And I don't know what Rav Solovichik did with regard to what he thought about the sanctity of animal life, but one thing that Rabbi Gimpel mentioned that I thought was somewhat interesting, he compared that, um, he noted that one of the types of angels is the chayot, which is another word for living beings, um, which is also comparable, to, or also used as for animals in the, in the Tanakh. Um, and so in, in the, another way of looking at it was not to say that animals were at the same level as humans, per se, but that animals nonetheless had a level of sanctity to okay. them that not only as life forms, but they were actually, in their own special way, representatives of God, in a sense, just as the angels are, in a sense. They are not at the same level as humans because they don't have free will, they don't have the ability to talk and whatever it might be, but they have some specialness to them. And I do think, uh, while I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that way. It's eight o'clock. I'm not gonna go that way with what what I eat. Um, I do think that the Torah definitely advocates a very strong caution Towards taking animal life, um, even just simply with like the uncleanness of touching a dead a dead corpse and whatever else, so you it, it hopefully gives you like a slight check 
okay, why do I need to kill this animal? What benefit comes from that? Is it worth the death of the animal? That kind of thing, as opposed to kind of the, um, um, at times, disturbing level of insensitivity that I think the, the modern world has today. So you're leaning towards the vegan thing. No. Okay. Well, no. but, but no. just to just to dovetail on Joshua's comments, I mean, there's no question that, at least in my view, and I think this is consistent with Jewish understanding, animals definitely have a level of sanctity. No question about it. Which is why we have... Um, uh, which is why we have things like you know, commandments like you can't work your your ox on Shabbat. They you have, to, you have to allow rest. your animals to rest, yeah. etc. Which is why we have separation of meat and dairy because it's recognizing the fact that if you're eating meat, the animal gave up its life uh, in order for you to enjoy and partake of that. Whereas dairy is symbolic of life and nurturing life. And life and death are not supposed to mingle. That's next week's class. And, and so, I mean, even, <laughs> even, even in the whole understanding of just how we eat, I mean, that understanding of recognizing that an animal is a creation of God and does have a level of sanctity, to me, is, is clear. But it's not clear that they have the same level of sanctity as man. Amen. So just to pick up from there, uh, some of the commentary from the, the, the sages I was reading um, would say destruction of anything of God's creation just for fun is uh, is not righteous, right? They talk about uh, a rabbi and his uh, uh, disciple walking along and the disciple grabbing a leaf and ripping it apart just absentmindedly for no reason. And the, and the rabbi's point is... you. Why would you destroy God, any portion of God's creations, just for the, the sake of destruction? So, um, you know, the, the animals are given rest, but so too is the land given rest, right? Um, it's, it's God's creation. All of it ought to be uh, treated with a, with a high level of uh, regard. Yes. Amen. Okay. So, um, there's nothing more in there. The one thing uh, so from some of the commentators that I was reading that were, were commenting on Rav Solvichnik, whatever, uh, he was say, saying that um, in his views, he was fairly radical in comparison to a lot of the, uh, the comments from, from other rabbis on this topic. So I guess I would just, um, that his comments being chosen as something to to kind of say this is what Judaism's understanding is. I wonder if that might have been a little bit overplayed in the podcast because it seems like his views were radical compared to a lot of the other ones. Fair? Fair. All right, so if you want to go on to slide five, Gary Urofsky. Gary the crazy man, people are calling him. <laughs> no, uh, no bias there at all. Yeah. So... <laughs> To be honest, uh, the notes that I had on him when I first made this slide were just, this guy's insane. Like, <laughs> not, to be, uh, not to be demeaning, but some of the comments that he's had over the last few years, in particular the last few months, so he spent a fair bit of time in Israel um, shortly. Uh, he's had a number of interviews in December. Um, so I, I, I went through the 90-minute the video that um, uh, Harry and 
Jeremy took that, I think it was maybe a 30 second snippet out of. So I watched the 90 minutes video and um, in some way that it, it's kind of disgusting. I think it was, uh, we had the gentleman who was talking about how um, how he's, he's equated the Holocaust to to the Jews and to chickens, let's say. Um, he, so in an interview I, I watched in December, for, uh, from last December, He's, he says that human life is not valuable. People are not special. He would say something like, the world would be better if everybody just left, right? Um, his point is that ants are more important to the world than a person is. So um, uh, in an in interview with I-24 News, uh, the uh, I think it was a Palestinian lady who was saying, you know, I, I'm not Jewish, but I'm offended by you saying that uh, the animal, calling the animal uh, slaughtering a holocaust. And his response was basically that he's offended that the Jewish holocaust is compared to the animal holocaust. So, so just some really sad views on, on what is right and what is wrong, right? Uh, his comment would be that it would be better to slaughter those in the slaughterhouses, like the people, than it would be to slaughter the animals. Um, that's a little overboard. <laughs> what's that, sorry? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> can, I, can I add something? So, he, he says that the fundamental evil in the world is speciesism, what he calls it. Basically, our selection, or our selective killing of animals uh, is the fundamental evil. So, I mean, uh, <clears throat> for uh, Mr. Compel and Browitz uh, to use Gary Urofsky as their launching point for such a um, uh, an ideal, <clears throat> I think, is a little dangerous because some of the things that he is putting forward are a fairly uh, could be quite damaging to to society, not not lifting it up, right? Um, I think Mr. Upton was saying that you know he would rather punch somebody in the face uh, uh, for wearing a fur coat than uh, uh, you know speaking to them in a civil way, right? Yeah, I just want to make a point. I was reading the uh, Gary Rossi book, and he was talking about and uh, there was a guy that did a survey among college students in Southern California. I don't know if anybody read about it. And the question was... I'm trying to avoid Southern California. Should, yeah. <laughs> the survey, you would. But the, the survey was this. Would you agree that the government should put gun, gun owners in FEMA concentration camps? And a number of college students agreed. And then uh, they also asked, would you agree that the government should not only confiscate guns from gun owners, but shoot the gun owners? And a number of college students agree. My basic point is this. This is one fellow that some or perhaps many would consider an aberration. Understandable. But this is a survey among college students where a whole bunch of these college students agree to something that's clearly off the wall. That, to me, is kind of scary. So. You know, this may be one voice crying in the wilderness, the opposite of John the Baptist, but you sort of wonder, what other voices are there that we don't hear that are very similar to this one voice? And, you know, he mentions human life is not valuable, people are not special. 
if he was truly a leader, what would we suggest, you know, given that he mentioned this, that as a leader, first. Yeah. you know, Hitler was a vegetarian. I don't know if people were aware of it. He had a dog, you know, he really cared for animals and that underscores your point that you made. So it's always important to keep balance. But I think to, to David's point, um, this is California. Yes. <laughs> um, Nietzsche, in Nietzsche, however you want to pronounce his name, in some of his works, he talks about in his philosophy the best thing that can happen is the uh, essentially what this gentleman advocates is the cessation of humankind. Uh, but Nietzsche says, but the next best step is to, quote, put your shoulder to the plow. In other words, just go ahead and start the process of ridding the world of humankind, starting with yourself, because the only thing that you have power over is yourself. So if everyone does that, then you essentially reach his ideal of nihilism. And I think that maybe there are traces of such a philosophy found in this gentleman's mindset. If, if we look at the creation story, I have always understood it to believe that the plant life was created, flowers, trees, shrubs, etc. And then the stuff that breathes, the animals. And then the crowning achievement is not only an animal, if you will, in the, in the rawest sense that, that breathes flesh, if you will, but that also thinks and speaks and reasons and can have a relationship with God. To me... And God gave him dominion over, over everything else. Everything else. Yeah. I mean, so I... So, so I, God was into species. Speciesism. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. so, he selected... So I just want to make sure I understand that Gary Yurovsky is not a chess champion that that, <laughs> that went off the deep end. He's, he's just off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that the best thing physically for the planet is to remove the humans. So we should stone you? No, it's oh. just like on a, an there's extremely there's practical there's level. But the, the only reason we don't do that is because we have a hierarchy of sanctities. So if as long as we don't believe all life on this planet is equal, then we'll keep the humans on it. But if you, if you do have uh, an equality of plant or animal and human life, then we are the biggest threat to all three. I think all the cucumbers that can speak should speak up <laughs> and <laughs> vote. <laughs> Same with the cows. So I, I, I would just say, though, that the, the best thing for the planet is for man to live as God has designed him to live, right? I think I think then the world flourishes. I don't know if, uh, as Joseph said, the, the crowning achievement, if you will, of God's creation, being man, being removed, is is necessary. Well, then you, you'd have to define best then. But didn't God do that? Best. Yeah. If we're defining best as how God intended, then that's a circular argument. Living how God intended is the best way to live how God intended. David, try to ignore him. I do it all day long. But if we're defining <laughs> best as like life, like how many things can live, then the best case would be to get the humans dead. 
They believe that. He believes that, but only because he hasn't considered the consequences. I don't believe that. Colby. I would say that not only do humans not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, but animals do as well. And God would probably see no need to keep animals, vegetations, or plants alive on this planet if it wasn't for humans. Right. So I think that argument works if you take God out of the picture. But since we've already defined that he is an absolute, that argument holds absolutely no ground. <laughs> Which argument? I like your absolute argument. Josh, absolutely. Um, along those lines, one of the things, granted, going back to the garden is dangerous because it's a perfect world that we don't live in today. But um, when God created man, the goal was to have him keep the garden. In other words, his job was to ensure that the creation that God had made flourished better with him on it. And Judaism does teach the principle that idyllically, mankind's job is to partner with God in creation. Um, it's not only in creating more people, but it is also in the process of, of um, enhancing the world to its fullest levels, of helping the world achieve all that it can achieve. Just like the Canadians. And it's, a, and it's unfortunate <laughs> that in history, um, humankind, because uh, primarily of sin more than anything, um, has led to a, a, a um, deconstruction of creation. And, and to the, the loss of huge amounts of it. But that being said, that has more to do with the evil side of mankind than I think it has to do with mankind as a unit. Um, good men sustain the world. I mean, wait. Yeah, after like trees. Yeah, good. Gentlemen. I mean, I, I agree with Peter for this particular point in time, and I think we have a challenge to fulfill the responsibilities that you were referring to. And that once we do, we'll hit that pivot point that we're actually providing added value to animal life and to plant life. But right now, we're really not doing our job. Just mm -hmm. like in the Old Testament, there are certain people that were given an opportunity to showcase their examplehood that really weren't doing their job. So someone like the Apostle Paul had to preach elsewhere to make that happen. So right now, you're right. But things will change. I mean, look what's happening right now with all the research in uh, DNA, genome research. Eventually, we'll be able to clone meat. We won't have to kill animals for it. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm raising line. chickens this spring. Are you saying that I'm not doing my thing? I'm, no, I'm not. But it's part of the process. Eventually, be raising chicken meat. Let's not get. That's a different class. I say genome. You say genome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we know we're from different parts, right. but we need to talk about that. Yeah. But it's part of the whole process in what man's responsibility is. It's spirituality merged with science to be able to create a situation where animals won't have to kill each other because something will happen genetically to them that they won't have to. They'll be able to eat plant life. It'll be like the Garden of Eden. Are we supposed to do that? Or is God going to do that? We will do that. Are we supposed to do that? Yes, yes. I'm We're sure supposed to do that. We need to talk about that one. Hang on. It's our nature. It okay, is. Stay, so David, like, stand by one second. Judith. Oh, it's really sad that the same people who are saying, you know, the earth is so important, we need to take care of the earth, which is very good, but those are the same people who are supporting gay marriage, which is ending the earth, because if everybody were to resort to that, no creation, and the result of no creation... Well, then you're down to life. just animals, right? Exactly. Well, unless the animals are gay, <laughs> which, yeah, okay. Good. Colby. 
That's a good point. Thank you. Just so. on cloning food. Cloning food. Um, oh, wait, no, Mc, McDonald's, <laughs> McDonald's has already tried to make food that's not really food. It's insanely bad Coffee. for your body to eat anything They're not there yet. Clone. They're, they eat clone food. Well, let's, let's not use McDonald's. Let's get let's, out of this. Let's, 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 Johnny. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> David, we're back to you, sir. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Next time you're on this side. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess I would, that's the, the gist of Gary Urofsky. I go on to the next slide there uh, with just some podcast points. We've, we've talked about uh, a lot of these already, so we might be able to flip through them pretty quick. Um, I guess uh, to what Mr. Upham was saying about earlier, whether um, Scripture describes eating uh, meat before the fall, before uh, the flood or not, um, I would also suggest that Scripture isn't uh, doesn't necessarily say that man does not eat meat either. Right? I know that's that's far out there, but to me, it's somewhat conceivable that if man is making sacrifice like Abel is, that he could have been very well giving, uh, you know. Uh, a piece of offering or a Thanksgiving uh, sacrifice where he may actually consume, consume some of that meat. Absolutely, so, absolutely uh, yeah. Shalakim. Pardon? Shalamim. The Shalamim offering. The peace offering. Right. The Thanksgiving offering. These are ones where you actually eat your sacrifice in the temple. Right. Yeah, they have the same deal. It comes from the word shalom. Oh, right. Same deal. Good. All right. So, um, as well, it describes Abel being uh, a, a herder, like a, a, basically a livestock farmer, right? So, the same notion of a, of a vegan theology being that we're not to, not to you know, uh, use animals in any way, um, it would seem right off the bat man's understanding is that they are to be that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, for so their use. So, wait, so the argument there was because Abel was a good guy, that's the example for us? Is that hurting is good? Is that? Well, uh, like Mr. Evan was saying, uh, the God kills an animal for clothing, right? would seem and then shortly after that you have an account of an animal sacrifice being pleasing to God that animal sacrifice is coming from his flock which means to me that he's hurting so if, if it's pleasing to God then it must not be wrong right yeah I'm with you right so then you have I guess you have a bunch of time go by. To me, it's conceivable there's other sacrifices happening. There could be peace sacrifice, peace offerings, or whatever. So there could be a, uh, the idea that there man could consume meat before the the flood, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's the depravity of man, right? Where um, where then when the flood happens, God says, I I. I must give over to the desires of man and allow him to eat meat. That doesn't seem to really prop up the sovereignty of God when he must bow to man's desires. Right. Yeah. So I, I, 
Yeah, to, I, I think, to me, I think the, the pre-flood period of time, we definitely know, for no other reason, by God's example and by Abel's example, that there were sacrifices of animals. We could speculate that they probably then also were consuming animals, whether, if not the meat, probably making use of other Product. products that come from animals. So, um, you know, when we get to the flood, I mean, I think one could one could argue that one of the reasons why God told Noah explicitly to, you know, you can eat these animals was because when they got off the boat, there wasn't anything else to eat, right? I mean, the whole earth had been destroyed. There was no, uh, there was no vegetation. It had not, you know, the earth had not restored itself. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, but I don't think you need to go there. Because the argument then is with only seven animals, even 14, I mean, how long is it going to take to grow stuff and plant someone? I wouldn't even go there. Yeah. I, would, I would go so far as to say in that thousand years, to your point, there were offerings that if we believe that the Torah has always been, everything's consistent, then they've been eating meat as part of their worship and fellowship with God. And I see the time of Noah as being more of, okay, you've only eaten meat with me. Now you can eat meat without me. You can eat it just as a regular, non-worshipful experience. I see that more as, as consistent with the rest of the story of Scripture than, gosh, there's no cucumbers, you better kill a cow. You know, that'll keep you going for, you know, most of the winter until you can get your cucumbers. I, I, I don't think we need to go there. I don't disagree, but I don't yeah. think we need to go there. Yeah. yeah. I do think, though, that um, the sages teach that the reason why Noah is permitted to eat meat is because he was responsible for saving animal kind. Um, you saved him, you can kill him. Basically. <laughs> that he essentially earns the right to make use of them by having saved them. Yeah. But no, but, but I think that, going back to what you're saying, I, I think that, I don't think it's a problem to say that, that mankind was not given meat prior to the flood, and that the, the explicit um, permission given by God in, in Genesis chapter 9 or 8 um, is the first time that he gives permission to eat meat. I don't have an issue with that argument at all. Permission to eat outside of the context no, any of the meat, sacrifice. any meat. Because I think that when you look at the sacrifices, there's no indication that they're definitively eating them. Um, Unless the same sacrifices they were making are the same sacrifices we're they making. They don't have to be. They don't have to be, but one has to question what kind of sacrifices well, were they making and how would they know to make because those a lot sacrifices. Of, but, but a lot of the offerings, um, a lot of the most worshipful offerings, if you will, are um, Allah. Oh, Allah, which is the whole thing is consumed. It has nothing to do with my argument, though. My argument is, if he's killing an animal, why did he know that was better? God must have well, shared something in that regard. I, I mean, I agree. And would he share something outside his toe? Mm. Well, no, no, no. But, I'm, but I think that I do believe in the like, progressive revelation. But anyway, oh, getting on I what? just want to add a couple of points to uh, add to what you mentioned, Joe. I want to jump to the time of Abraham, where he was visited by the three men. And of course, the question is, who were these people? He refers to one as my Lord. But among uh, things like butter, there was also killing a lamb. So that suggests that was okay. So I want to make a leap of about a couple thousand years to the time of Yeshua, that here he did miracles with fish and bread, where people were eating fish. 
after the time of the crucifixion, when they didn't know if he was real, he said, I'm hungry, give me some meat. And they referred to fish, so he ate it, which seems to justify that was okay. And then later on, when the fishermen were out there, Yeshua was by the shore, and he was making fish. And I think John said to Peter, that's Aren't the Aren't the vegans okay with fish? No. no. The vegans okay with vegetarians. Vegetarians are okay with the vegans are not. Okay, just go ahead. I just want to make sure I was clear. Some vegetarians are. Yeah. So um, that just adds to your point. So here it's together again. Here Yeshua is Hashem's representative, eating meat or fish, however yeah. you want to call it. Well, I mean, had he asked for a chicken yeah. sandwich, I would have been felt better about your argument. But yeah, yeah. Would have he's, he's asked for it. Of course. Yeah. And. Like Gimpel talked about when he first came here a while ago, that the fish is the perfect animal. Yeah. It survived the flood. Right. Yeah. But fish, you can't eat if you're a vegan, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I just went through. And they say, a they vegan say, you know, will not eat fish, but some, some vegetarians, vegetarians do. do. They call themselves pescatarians. Go figure. Like, is that like Presbyterian? Presbyterian. Pescatarian. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and also in the commandment of you should not boil a kid in its mother's milk, that kind of makes the um count basically says if you're going to eat the goat, so that basically says right there, you're gonna eat meat. Well, well we've been commanded that we can eat. Exactly. So we're okay. And there isn't a direct yeah. commandment of but, you may not eat meat. But I do it's like, just the opposite. There's a command that exactly. you shall. Yeah. I, I like Wayne's comment about um, Yeshua eating fish because another very famous time, man of the same era, John the Baptist, Yohanan, eats locusts and honey, another animal product, and wears camel skin, another so, animal product. So he's not vegan. Definitely he's not vegan. Definitely not vegan. Um, in fact, he also doesn't really qualify particularly as vegetarian um, with the locust eating. So I feel like there is a, um, again, a little bit more of a justification, at least at some level. Um, that being said, it's not unusual in Judaism, um, I feel like, to encourage almost like a, a rare eating of beef and chicken and those types of things almost like only like only on Shabbat or something along those lines I don't think it was required but I think it was something that was somewhat encouraged um, and at the time back in like the Middle Ages it was much more normal because they didn't have access to it like we do and I do but I do think that's also a function I mean I agree with that statement but I think it's also a function of Kashrut because the way the Kashrut um, laws are designed understood in practice it Heightens the sensitivity to what exactly you're doing when you're and, eating. and what had to happen right. in order for you to eat. Right. So, um, but but I don't think I don't think Jeremy and certainly not Ari because Ari isn't on the same page with Jeremy as far as being a vegan. But um, which now makes me wonder when I had lunch with him at the sushi place, he got, <laughs> he got soup, but I didn't really pay attention anyway. Um, so, uh, where was I going? So, I don't, but I don't think Jeremy was saying. I mean, I think he was saying, "Here's his his current view, and he's arrived at this particular, you know, position in his own life and practice, and he, you know, he subscribes at some level to these ideals that it represents." But I don't think that he was saying, you know, we should not do animal sacrifice anymore. Right. I don't think he was saying well, that anybody else who wants to eat meat, you know, is wrong. Yeah. I think he was just saying, 
this is kind of where I'm at and why. And, you know, so I don't, I don't think he's pounding his fist on the table and saying, you know, you're bad if you eat me. He didn't say that, but he didn't, he didn't make it clear that me having an awesome, juicy steak, well-cooked and kosher beef, was anything to rave about. And I think with a good red wine, it is. So, uh, <laughs> well, Jonathan. I think I interpreted Jeremy's position as there's no ethical issue with meat per se, but, it, but there's a spiritual benefit to, to not, not to not, and and that spiritual benefit in his mind is very important because it's that is the being the harbinger of a sign. Yeah. So if there's any argument for being a vegan, that's the only one that makes sense to me. It's a good argument. Whether it holds water or not is a different question. David. So his second point there on there's David in there. Uh, so the second argument on that podcast points is that people who refrain from eating meat evolved into people who respect life. So I think that goes to the you know how how you're being elevated, um, or you're you're improving if you don't eat meat. So do I we think. have do we have a count on the number of vegetarian men on on death row? No. Okay. No, but you've got people like Gondis Kong, uh, Charles Manson, Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> oh, Justin Bieber in the same camp with Manson. Uh, uh, By the way, you can take him back, baby. Bieber, Bieber, Bieber. Who's Justin Bieber? Vegans or vegetarians? So, um, there, there just isn't any. And Hitler, I think uh, Wayne was saying, there's. It's it's just a it's a fallacy to think that um, those who uh, prop up animal life will in turn also um, uh, have a higher regard for uh, human life. Agreed. Uh, I you know to me the some of the accounts from uh, from the sages I was reading when, when it talks about a a sage who is uh, you know killing an animal. Um, but is doing it out of, uh, you know, on some level of remorse, understanding that it, it is, uh, it is uh, you know, it's a reality of life, but that um, um, just having a high regard for that, but understanding where man and animal are in the kind of the hierarchy of things, seems to put, put more glory to God than it does by saying we're all the same. Right. Make sense? Yeah. Yes. I think I think I think he gives man gives glory to God when he when he is doing what I think what he said we should do, and that is to have dominion over. Dominion does not mean to abuse something. It does not mean to you know, and I think part of what these guys are arguing about is Garyowski. He's talking about this factory farming issues, all these sort of, there's some things that are bad about that. No 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 lie. I mean, yes, that's not the way that it's supposed to be. But I think to be um, to give God glory and to make and to for us to be all that God has created us to be, to do the things that He's asked us, or, or to take responsibility for the things that He's given to us in having dominion over these things, um, there is a there is a hierarchy difference, and God has set it that way. And we try to change that. I think we just end ourselves into some significant problems. That uh, that I don't think. Well, we're seeing we're seeing it. We're seeing that we're seeing that attitude brought out by. By Gary and and yeah. some of those theories, I think, begin to take hold in some people's lives, 
and it's a very dangerous route to be traveling. Agreed. So coming from an, a rural area, I think, you know, there's an understanding that um, certain animal populations go up and down, right? Even outside of the, the idea of uh, consuming the meat. Um, you know, hunting is uh, promoted in this area for certain types of uh, animals just because, uh, you know, it's, it's demonstrated that they'd overrun the area um, and uh, there'd be an imbalance in, you know, the different species or whatever. So we have hunting things so that it keeps the deer in check type thing. Yeah. Um, that would be something that a vegan would be against, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. To me, that is part of being, having dominion, doing, being good stewards. It doesn't mean that you make a mockery and you, and you kill for absolute sport and um, to the point where it is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, Gratitudes, where you know animals have no, uh, they have no sanctity in God's uh, economy or whatever. Mm. They, they kind of put it in the right place, I guess. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're... Okay, so um, the third point that is brought up is about during the reign of Messiah, you will be vegetarians. Um, so. They've kind of gone away from Gary Urofsky where it's about being a vegan and, and not killing animals at all to that will be vegetarian. And I guess uh, somebody else was mentioning that during the time of Messiah, I, you know, my understanding is that we'll be making sacrifices during the Feast of Sukkot and that we will, you know, when our Messiah returns, we will be having a, a Passover supper with him. So. It seems to me during the reign of Messiah, there will indeed be the consumption of meat that we won't be vegetarians. Potentially in a long bar, um, that would be the case, I guess. Yeah, David, if I could, I, I, I think they were off on that. I think their point, not that I agree with it, but I think their point is good. Uh, I think their biblical timing is off. I think during the Olam Haba, we will be vegetarians. Uh, back to uh, to Greg's opening statement, uh, that the lion will lie down with the lamb, etc. Um, I don't think this is the reign of Messiah, but rather the uh, Olam Haba. During the reign of Messiah, for a thousand years it says, we're going to be looking on the dead carcasses of men and animals who have died in battle. Um, this does not appear to be the Olam Haba. So I, I think, yeah, um, if you have. If you flip it and uh, correct their, their theology a bit, then during the Olam Haba, we will be vegetarians. I would agree with that. But again, you're, 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 you're moving from a, a place where we are to a place where we will be, returning back to a place where we were in the garden. That does not appear to be a problem for me. Do, should we re try to turn, return to the garden before hand? It's like, yeah, it's like leaving a nude. Yeah, um, bef before we sinned, we didn't know we were naked. Should we all get naked now? You know, that's a great point. You got to shut off the camera, Joe. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And the camera's going off. So, and yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. So, I think he has a point. I, I just think it's the wrong point. Yeah, and uh, our Messiah says that uh, in Olam Haba, 
uh, we'll be like the angels and we won't marry. Does right. that mean we don't marry now? Right, exactly. Well, <laughs> hold him to task, David. Hold him to Whoever task. Can accept that was the single guy over there. That's right. right. Yeah, how many singles guy in the room? Oh, man. Okay, that's one. <laughs> Colby. Okay. So if we go to the next slide, slide seven. Um, so just go uh, line by line here, I guess. So is killing. Is killing animals murder? So that would be the, the veganist uh, perspective, that killing animals is murder and equivalent to man. I, I would answer that. I mean, I guess if you, if you define murder as only applying to men, then no, by definition. But if you, if you define murder as um, the wrongful killing, there definitely can be wrongful killing of animals. And we should, as Zadikim, we should be willing to uh, call that spade a spade when we see it, are aware of it, and we should stand up and defend the sanctity of animal life if it is being misused and abused. Thanks. And I think also uh, the context of who we're with. Uh, for example, I had a date many years ago in a bookstore with a woman that was a vegan. And she asked me, what'd you have for lunch? And I said, a tuna fish sandwich. And she screamed out at the top of her lungs, you're a murderer. And I said, I just had a tuna fish sandwich. I, I had to say it loud so everybody realized it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know. When I bought it, it was dead already. It was. <laughs> I always make sure when I open the can, it's dead. Yeah, it's <laughs> so I'm a carcass trafficker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. murderer. That's it. <laughs> I'm holy. Holy. It's a tough crowd, David. It's a tough crowd, buddy. Okay, so second point there. So. Killing animals is not necessarily wrong, then, right? It, it can be wrong in the wrong in the right in the wrong context. But the second point: Does God ever command us to kill animals? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't tell us to murder animals. Murder animals. Understood. Right. But to, I mean, to just, kill an animal to to make the skins for the tabernacle. I'm with you. I, right. I, I'm just going to go back to the first point and say, um, I don't, I don't disagree with what Greg said, but I, I think that the only scriptural argument he has is God's ethical care for animals with regard to Shabbat. That's all you need. You know, when you see an, when you see an ox under a load, he doesn't mis mistreat his beast. It doesn't talk about killing; it's just mistreating. You see the ox under the load, help him lift it up. So there's obviously a care so there. The, so the so the guy that's you know strapping um, too much uh, on strapping uh, what's the fireworks the oh N sixty whatever it's called to his cat the just, M80, so, just right. for entertainment. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. okay. That, that like I said, I'm not like I said, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that we're we're a little shy. You know, we have to take the the tenor of scripture for what you're saying. And like I said, I agree with you. But you know, there are there are commands that specifically say you shall not murder 
Yes. And I believe that only speaks of mankind. There's no such commands about animals. So, again, we have to take the tenor of it. I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying let's be careful because I don't want us to try and equate the scriptures that speak of man with the scriptures that speak Absolutely. of Absolutely. But just because you won't stand up and defend the cat. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that there, there are multiple comparisons in the scripture um, to argue that killing animals is definitively wrong for, 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 for killing for, for no purpose. That's why it's a detenor. You've got uh, Jacob. Not Jacob actually, in the same breath, he's talking about um, Levi and Shimon slaughtering the village of Shechem follows up by saying they hamstrung an ox. Right. Um, in, in Isaiah, when God is talking about the, the cr- crimes of, again, of, uh, again, of idolatry... You're he, agreeing he, with he, me. He, no, well, I'm talking about the tenor of Scripture is that. That's what the tenor of Scripture is. But there are no commands. Well, but there the are commands, commands about how are to regarding kill. You can't take a mother bird with her egg at the same day. You can't kill a, you can't again, kill a that's cat. That's the, tenor. that's the tenor of the Scripture. Well, all I'm saying is that it does have to do with the idea that there's a... There is a wrong. There is a biblically mandated right and wrong way to kill animals. That there are. There is a way to wrongfully kill an animal. It's not murder, but it is still a sin. Well, I don't think you're disagreeing with me, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I want to speak. Maybe this is. Maybe you guys can help me out here. But I think it was last week's portion, where or, or two weeks ago, where we had some. I can't remember how long ago what it was, but I remember recently reading that there there. And I'm getting sort of a hierarchy of life from the passage that talks about, okay, this animal is guilty of repeatedly goring and or killing boys, girls, men, anything like that. This animal is to be put to death. So right there I see a hierarchy that the human life is automatically more important according to God's own command. Absolutely. Good. That's good. Totally. Good. Wait, one more. Wayne brought up a good question. Was Samson justified in tying fire foxes' tails? Samson tied the foxes' tails. We know, we know the story. Fire. I thought it was a whole flock of, or whatever you call it, pack of pigs, you know. Into the water and drown. Technically, he let the demons do that, which is a little bit different. Demons have no mercies on yeah. And God has all mercy on pigs because he doesn't even let us eat them. Was that kosher of Yeshua to kill those pigs? Did Yeshua kill the pigs? Maybe we should directly. Yeah. Are you asking me if the Son of God made a mistake? I am asking you. <laughs> if it was kosher. David, <laughs> save me, baby. <laughs> you guys are dead. Oh, It's like giving man a choice. So if man were to kill another man, it's not God's doing. That's like guns. Guns don't kill people. Right. People don't kill people. You know, buy a gun. Pigs aren't, you know, going to kill themselves. Demons Demons are going to kill the pigs. (laughs) All right, man. All right. Okay, so the other point on is killing animals uh, wrong and. to me, it seems like the sages understanding that animal products are acceptable, given the fact that they use them for the you know lambskins for the, the Torah scrolls, to fill in to kill it, 
Uh, it just seems like, pardon? Tabernacle. Tabernacle. It seems, well, yeah, that's a direct command by God. I'm just talking about even on the periphery, about outside of the tabernacle, it seems like it's it's acceptable to use animals in, in these ways. It seems to me, like if you go through the like the chronology of this type of argument, this is this is a new type of idea, where um, man should abstain from from killing animals at all. So, the, so the argument there is, new is bad. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, you're you're no, saying he's saying new is right. not consistent with. Scriptural, all, all the counsel of scripture. Yeah, I'm with I think it. It, I think that God has 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 a given track record of letting us know when we're doing something contrary to His will. Yeah, throughout Scripture. So if you if at some point throughout you made skins for your clothing, exactly, you're out of the land. Exactly. So <laughs> so and so if He had if if throughout history, you know, recorded history, biblical history. However you want to say it, 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 God would have let his people know, okay, you shouldn't be doing this. There, I mean, that. There, I don't think there's anything else to be said about it. Yeah. So therefore, when Yeshua sent the demons into the pigs and they killed themselves, he demonstrated that he would not bring home the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> we live with this every week. <laughs> Who's got the drum and the cymbal? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, obviously, coach, non kosher animals are under the table. He's huffing it over here. He's huffing it. No! You don't have to keep squealing about it. No! Save us, David. Keep going. Yeah, good, David. Save us, save us, baby. It's Okay, so uh, do you have uh, the next point? Does God command us to eat the flesh of animals? Yes. So, and we've been through that a few times already. Yes, the Kabbalim um, in the, in the uh, priesthood, in, in the temple service. Well, right. the stock yep. and certain other objects. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Number of examples. So it seems odd that he would command us to do something that is less righteous than, than not. Does that make sense? Or am I stretching that? Or, or, or beyond to say that he would command us to do something that would not be enhancing the world, regardless of his commands, not enhancing the world and promoting the coming of his son. But right. John made a good point that there is and to give Pell's point, right. a spiritual benefit. They're not taken away from anything. I, I, I question if there's any spiritual benefit. Agreed. In fact, I think there's spiritual benefit to having steak on Arab Shabbos. Can you be right? There's spiritual benefit in being conscious of what it's religious you experience for sure. When you're taking <laughs> a, a life. Right. And, and I'm conscious of that, grateful for that. Whether and, you are or not, I'm, and I don't know that you are, is that is that most of our Western culture is not. Right. They've, right. they've you eat a hamburger every day at lunch, and that's a good point. And, uh, I think I think in our Western society, where, but because of our means, 
meat is, act, the meat is available to us. More right? available. So we have, we don't appreciate, culturally speaking, right. really what we're doing. Right. You know, and, and we and certainly don't sense, have to kill the animal as we used to. Right, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you've got to go out... Put your hand and, on the head. And, and you know, you know, take the head off the chicken and all that yourself, right? Or the or the cat, you know, whatever it is you're slaughtering. That makes it a lot more personal, right? Uh, and I think in our society where somebody else is doing that yeah. out of sight, out of mind, yeah. we have cheap, relatively speaking, and abundant access to it. We have basically made it... Um, Common, and I don't, I'm not trying to use that term in the same sense as you know tomato or, or or you know something like that, but just we've right. we've made it um, we've really belittled. Okay. Really. It's so low now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and um, and and so I do think, and even even for health reasons, which that's really a different topic, but we overconsume. I think meat in our Western. Well, sometimes we consume meat and think it's meat. Yeah. That's a different story. Yeah. And I, I just want to add, too, when it comes to the personal aspect, there are some cultures that people eat horse meat. And it's really personal when they're killing the horse when they're riding it. Just because. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah. Another okay. symbol move. <laughs> but don't. So, what is more. Uh, what is more glorifying to God? What is more uh, spiritually enhancing? The. The execution of any of God's commandments properly, or to abstain from something entirely and and uh, stay away from. For instance, like let's take it into the realm of uh, uh, meat. Would we would we say there's a lot of bad marriages in North America? So let us let us abstain from having marriages because we want to be a better example. Or would it be better to say we're going to have a godly marriage to be an example of those around us? Same with uh, to me, it's the same thing with our diet. Let's keep our diet the way that God has expected it to be. To but be but, I, but I, I would challenge I would challenge that a little bit. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, except I would say that uh, if someone chooses to abstain from meat, especially if they're choosing to do that as a way to honor God, right? In the context that we have today, which is we have no temple, we can't make sacrifices, so the commandments pertaining to eating meat aren't applicable today because we have we don't have that system available to us, right? right. Uh, so, out in today's context, if somebody, out of a personal conviction, wants to abstain from meat um, as a way to honor God. I think that's completely fine, and I think if they're doing it out of the right spirit to honor God, I would always encourage someone to honor God. So I don't think I don't think we should discourage vegetarianism or even veganism if it's done for the right reasons. Uh, but everybody has to understand and recognize the biblical constructs. In other words, there are commandments to eat meat. All of which don't apply to us today because they all center around ultimately a temple. So, um, so, but if somebody, and I think even 
Paul talks about this in Romans 14, right? If one says, you know, I'm not eating meat, one says I am eating meat, right? Then, I've got it open right here. You know, we have to be um, sensitive to the convictions of others. Um, and so, so I guess what I'm saying is I, I totally agree with you, David, in that if we're going to eat meat, Let's do it in a way that is consistent with Scripture, consistent with the tenor of the uh, of of the Scripture, and, and, is, and is honoring to 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 is respectful of the animal and ultimately honoring to God, right? But if somebody's opting to not do that as a way to honor God, Rokashen. Certainly. So I just would want to point out though that. Um, the veganism argument takes it a little bit further, right? Where it's just not about the consumption of meat. So you're into to just using animals. Uh, yeah, but I, but I think I think even ve- I mean I think you know it's kind of like messianics. We come in all shapes and sizes, right? Vegans I think are the same way, right? You have militant vegans like Gary, right? Who has not made it really? He's made it more of a. It's more of a political, religious thing, for him. Um, but there's other. I mean, I've got a family that lives on my street, you know, and they're vegans. They are, you know, they don't eat any animal products. They do. They have some tree hugger tendencies, but they do not go to the extent of, of Gary. Right? So. You're going to have people all along the spectrum. So just because somebody says, I'm vegan, and it means they aren't consuming animal products, doesn't necessarily mean that they also don't wear leather or don't do other things. Because I know vegans that don't consume animal products, but they do wear leather and other things. So So the point is that one man's definition of vegan is not necessarily every man's definition. There's different flavors of veganism. Well, (laughs) I can't argue with I, I don't like to argue. Inability. <laughs> 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 Y'all stop horsing around. Yeah, no. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. Um, uh, question uh, Did God ever eat meat in Scripture? That's a really controversial question. Mm-hmm. The Son of Man came to Abba was going to bring out that Yeshua was a man on earth and stuff like that. I don't think you could take that. Well, I, I, I think we, I mean, maybe I missed something here. Genesis 18, I think, is probably the reference there, right? I, I, no, I would, I would go further and say that we know for at least, at least three Passovers. The Messiah was eating the Passover lamb. And that's just the three in his public ministry. And if you back up, you've got probably 20 plus years where he did. But maybe you didn't mean that God. Maybe you meant the other God. (laughs) (laughs) Take that off the table. (laughs) Genesis 18 says they they ate and drank with God. Exodus. Abraham served kid. To the three visitors. Meaning baby goat. And cheese. Uh, yes. Well, actually it was cheese, and then, cheese then and, meat. and then meat. There's a class on that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, going back to your point, it did say that the, the elders of Israel ate with God in, in Exodus. It doesn't say that God ate, but it is interesting nonetheless. But they ate with God. We don't know what they ate. True. This Grass, is a very conversation. <laughs> Mushrooms. Yeah, so I, I think you know between between the three visitors at the Oaks of Mamre and the uh, Messiah himself, I would I would argue did God ever eat meat is is most assuredly yes. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I don't think you say it. You Peter oh. Peter disagrees. But so I don't with think Pesach, it, I don't think it really matters. Well, I think that's not relevant to this question. Is the Pesach not meat or is Yeshua not God? That's a false dichotomy, but I think you'd have to go through all the other things that you say God did. I'm just asking you, is... I know what you're just asking So what's the answer? Again, that's a false dichotomy. I'm not giving you a dichotomy, I'm giving you a question. The Pesach is meat, Yeshua is God. Did Yeshua eat the Pesach? I'm not going to say Yeshua is not God, but... Did Yeshua eat the Pesach? I would say Yeshua is, Yeshua is God, and he did eat meat, but so, I don't think God eat meat. Ate meat. Okay, so so Yeshua is not really God, then. Oh. If that's what you want. I'm just trying to see how you see it, son. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. Hey, I need some help from Canada. <laughs> is Yeshua our example of righteousness? Yes. Yes. I like that. Yes. yes. So it, but he was also never married. Yeah, so I, I, I think to a certain extent... Well, was he never married because somebody killed him? What? He was well, maybe if he was married, somebody could kill him. Are you saying his, his, his I'm just soul asked, was going to show up in age 34? Why did he not marry? So I would say this, like, even Yeshua says, I'm not going to drink of the vine until we drink it anew in, in heaven. You know, he has no problem with setting aside things that are perfectly lawful for a time to, for a spiritual reason. And there, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing it's incorrect with that. So it, I mean, whether, whether you're going to take yeah. a Nazarite vow and not, not, eat, uh, not drink wine, whether you're going to have a, a period of celibacy even in, in, in your marriage, whatever, or whether you're not going to eat meat or you know, treat animal sanctity as an important thing, regardless, you can still kick... Kiddush Hashem and sanctify the name of God in all of those activities or abstentions thereof. So I, I so just which is a, which is essentially right. taking a vow or making an oath. Right. Right. But, and that becomes Torah law for you. To, Absolutely. To, do that. to right. Dave, to David's point though, I think because Yeshua ate meat, we can say that eating meat is bad. Right. But you can't right. use did God ever eat meat to say that eating meat is, is good. Right, or, or that not eating meat is bad. Right, we right. can't say it's mandatory per se. Right, simply because Yeshua had Passover. Right. Well, was that stuff to hear here? Well, his point was that you can't say that uh, abstention of meat is bad. Ab ab abstaining from it is bad. You can't necessarily that. You can't say it's mandatory. You um, you, you can say, however, that. Uh, uh, abstaining from physical whatever for a spiritual reason is a good thing, um, and that eating meat can be a, 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 a good thing. Those are basically the only truths that, that we can de like if deduce. You, if Yeshua ate meat, then it's not bad to eat meat. Right. Right. Well, so I don't know if you have my last point up there. My question there isn't so much is it wrong not to eat meat. So to me, the, the, the discussion of vegetarianism is, is another topic I would suggest. But 
Um, it's nine to, o'clock. To 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 abstain from eating meat on the grounds of like uh, a universal type of morality, not necessarily talking about factory farming or anything like that, but to say that it is it is not is not good to eat meat because of the morality issue that centers around killing an animal. To me, can lead you down a path where, um, like uh, Rob Cook is saying, where you start to potentially degrade the sanctity of man to the same level. Agreed. I mean, yeah, that's a wrong reason to not eat meat. We're 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 one hundred percent on your side there. Right. And anyone who's not is wrong because you're pretty <laughs> certain sad. that there is not right. To me, that is. That's wise. That could be wise. Yeah. I mean, yes. All right. So on the next side there, uh, slide eight. However, so we've kind of blown through these as well. Um, uh, it's been mentioned many times now tonight already that even though it is uh, permissible, uh, arguably encouraged to eat meat uh, through scripture. It doesn't. It isn't a license just to kill willy-nilly without uh, without any um, thought. So I just have a few examples there about the Shabbat that was mentioned before that our animals are to be given rest on Shabbat. Um, the muzzling of, uh, of an ox so that it can, you know, to, to prevent it from eating the harvest that it's taking in, uh, which pre prevents suffering. That's the burning of an animal. We're not to kill a, a mother with its young. We're supposed to send away the mother bird. So there, obviously there is, uh, I guess, what we mentioned before, a tenor in scripture that we're to take care of God's animals as well as all of creation. Um, and, and, and show compassion. Exactly. And to me, anybody who, who, is, who is drawing closer to God is going to have a greater appreciation for any portion of his creation um, that um, you would have this desire to take care of his creation. Amen. Um, so I guess the last point is, um, what types of things um, would we consider in our halakha with respect to um, veganism or vegetarianism eating meat? I have one point, and this is um, from a personal um, uh, experience. When, once, once our family really started keeping kashrut in regards to kosher uh, meat, um, I noticed significantly the amount of meat I was eating during the weekdays dropped to basically zero. The only time that a, I had a meat meal or dish was with the family on Erev Shabbat and, and the leftovers was what I, I you know, ate for, for the actual day of rest. And that one act made me appreciate and, and uh, the rest of my family would, would agree, the, the special set aside nature of that meal because it's, uh, it's di distinguished from every other meal um, and food that I'm going to eat during the rest of the week. So, so, so even though even though I'm basically a a uh, practical vegetarian for six days, um, I still uh, that has um, uh, has become the vehicle for me to appreciate uh, consumption of meat at least at least once a week. So, so I, I actually see very, uh, very much value or uh, a lot of intrinsic value in in viewing. Uh, meat in, in, in a scenario like that. So what he's really saying is, as opposed to a Seventh-day Adventist, he's a six-day vegetarian. <laughs> Her absence makes the heart grow fun. <laughs> <laughs> Three, six. Three, six. <laughs>
So, so that uh, that Canadian phrase there, what uh, willy nilly? Yeah, just checking right. that. Just checking that. All right. That's it. Yeah. So it's the same thing. I would I would say it's true for our family as well. When uh, the, the more you know, the first our first day of keeping kosher or whatever, obviously, uh, and we've moved along that continuum a fair bit, and now we're at the point where um, it, uh, we were raising our own chickens, and uh, we demand that we kind of we know where our, our beef is coming from. Um, so it's the same thing, right? It's uh, you have a great appreciation. I think Joseph is going to find the same thing. If you're raising your chickens in your backyard, and then they're on your dinner plate, there's there's a better understanding of what uh, what God's um, uh, cycle of life, or whatever you want to call it, what what it really looks like, as opposed to just walking into the grocery store, buying some uh, packaged meat and throwing it on the grill. Um, it's it's tough to really understand how God, how intricate God's creation is, when when we never see what we're eating. Yeah. What what ethical obligation do we have, if any, if we're still buying meat in a grocery store, and we become aware that a particular supplier is using some factory farming techniques or other things yeah, that really methods. right the questionable methods uh, with respect to how they raise and um, harvest the animals how, how, what should we do how does that impact halakha or how, how should our halakha view that I, I, would, uh, I would argue that if if we're concerned about how animals are being raised and treated to get to our plates, then we should already be concerned about how men and women are being treated to to create the clothing we're wearing. Oh, so you're talking about the sweatshop? Yeah. Okay. So, or so, so I would I would back up and say I'm not at all against what you're saying. But in order to maintain that hierarchy which God has put, I would want to be first concerned about men and women sure. and, and where they're at. So, and if, if so, I've already done my research there, if I've got any time left before Shabbat starts, then I'm going to take a look at you know you know where how was the how was the cow treated? Well, I, 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 I'm not from? I'm not suggesting that we go spend all of our time now intentionally trying to. Eco green, you know, right, ferret yeah. out, yeah, right. you know, all of these, you know, evils, you know, wherever they may exist. I'm just saying, if it comes to our attention, yes, if 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 you if you buy Tyson <laughs> drumsticks at the grocery oh, store, and now you are right. now there's a news article or Stop some something, you know, where they're being accused of factory farming techniques, blah 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 blah, right? What obligation do we have, or if you know, you if, open, uh, you if, open the, the box, if Levi, you know, if if whoever you're buying your jeans or whatever from, you know, if we find out that they're being manufactured in Indonesia it's by slave. child labor, yeah. you know, what obligation do we have? I mean, yeah. those are all valid questions. Or, or, or even as you experience in your own home, when you open the box and you find out that this meat is halal meat. You know what's the obligation? I mean, these yeah. are the, I think they're great questions. Cool. I would 
agree with the child labor, it's very easy to not buy the product if we can find out that. There's there's no if ands or buts about a, a factory farm with its food buts like um, factory farm with its food because it's the the slaughter method is kind of clear. I I would have a harder time arguing that quote unquote sweatshop labor it does involve human beings it could be grown men and yeah. we don't know their lifestyle means and choices to whether they put themselves there so it may be a sweatshop to them to us but our country went through a very similar industrial revolution where we were working in less than pleasing working conditions so i think child labor is an easy, easy decision i think adult labor is a harder decision but i think factory farms is an easier decision than adult labor and you haven't worked for me yet. I haven't. No. But but isn't the isn't the Child easiest labor. answer? But <laughs> yeah. isn't the easiest solution to the question that you proposed just to keep kosher? Is yeah. With with hectured meat, that is. Well, I was yeah. going to ask that question because well, I know that I know that kosher fruits and vegetables and things does not necessarily mean that it's organic or whatever the case right. may be. So I, well, I was wondering what are the guidelines on hectured meat? I I assume obviously the way that it's killed is humane. But how is it like handled up to that point? Are they all like free range chickens? Are they all, I mean, like what, at what point do you draw the line, I guess? Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great question. I mean, I, all I can tell you is in our home, we try hard to buy organic hectured meat. Which is the most expensive meat <laughs> on is, the planet. Which is an investment. You bet it is. So, uh, and sometimes we're not able to do that because sometimes it just, you know, it doesn't exist. Um, meaning that so it's hard to find. Um, but we try to, you know, we've always tried to eat organic, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I am not, I mean, I very rarely buy, go walk into a grocery store and buy, uh, buy meat. Um, well, I'm only buying it if it's hectored anyway, which means it's basically, you know, one of three grocery stores in town. And even that sort of bugs me a little bit, but uh, I'll do it if I need to because I've got to have extra meat. But so in our home, we we try to go organic and hectured, and uh, we found a place online that has a selection, but it's it's limited. You know, I mean, they don't have a big selection of of that, and it is expensive. So not everybody can do that. But um, that's what we try to do. So, because that way I know that both the farming technique is acceptable and, and the, the harvest technique is scriptural. Yeah. yeah. So. I get I get a, a lot of meat from a farm just here in Concord that you can't go and visit and see how they slaughter their meat, see how they feed their meat. Pat the cow. Pat, pat the cow. Cal actually signs autographs when you go. Maybe the Chick Fil A guy dressed up. Eat more chicken. That's right. So that's kind of all I had on uh, on that. And I just bring it back to Lamb Flowing Milk and Honey. The idea that um, uh, God describes the goodness of the land in terms that um, most veganists would uh, find repugnant. 
So again, said it over and over again. I guess still keeping the the, the hierarchy of man and and the rest of God's creation in order. So in a nutshell, you disagreed with Jeremy's perspective in his podcast that in keeping a vegan lifestyle, we hasten the coming of Messiah, we elevate the morality of man, and peace reigns eternally. It would seem odd to hasten the coming of Messiah by not eating meat, but then eat meat with him during his reign. I like final comments on this side? David? Final on the comments? last on the last slide I have the, uh, the list of uh, um, at least the websites that I can I just add one thing? I found this a very meaty lesson. Great something to me. And I got the beef. We really milked this subject. Yes. We milked Don't mix those now. That's right. Don't mix those. Okay. Oh! Are you ready? Good job. Good job. All right. Um, Couple things before we uh, before we finish here. Mark, go ahead. Were you going to say something, Mark? Can't I can't hear you. Were you going to say something? You looked like uh, you were going to say something. No. What? What? <laughs> We can't, we can't hear you anymore if you're talking to us. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right, so here's a uh, um, couple, couple points. Um, first, um, I've, I've got this um, weird desire in the back of my head that um, we can encourage one another across distance by using technology. And uh, I, I just can't tell, tell you how thrilled I am that uh, uh, the godliness and uh, perspective and thoughtfulness that, that I get to experience with you on a, on a day-by-day basis has been shared with, with the men here. Um, Wayne is always, you know, overbearing and talkative, but uh, you know, <laughs> someone has to be. Not you. Oh, um, and uh, and Mark's a dear man, but uh, I'm thrilled, and I'd, I'd like us to do more of this, uh, and and kind of see what we can do to bring our bring our communities closer, and and do that. Um, I suspect that uh, uh, Bill is uh, watching us. Um, online from Wisconsin. He is uh, an, an agrarian man. He's a farmer uh, with llamas and goats and chickens and all of that. Llamas are the future. Uh, he's not eating llamas. Uh, he'll make that clear. Those are for something. I can't remember. Was it for the wool or the wool? The wool? Right. 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 So um, anyway, he's, uh, he's going to be uh, providing a class for us uh, 
in the coming weeks on uh, genetically modified uh, foods and so forth and, and how we deal with that from a biblical perspective. Um, and uh, that's in Wisconsin. So uh, I know this is difficult to, to kind of deal with the back and forth and the delays and all that, David, but I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for your time and the Word and your uh, willingness to, to put up with uh, this, this nonsense set of guys over here. Um, <laughs> for the tree for all of them, I just want let me just say from this end um, how much you uh, guys have been an encouragement to us as we seek to walk out um, commands of God and just to be a godly man in their daily lives. It's just nice to know and been accepted by you guys and the encouragement you are. If we listen to you each week, it just is a really great thing for us as well. So it's a blessing. Praise God. Can I add one point? I understand there is one country where it's illegal to kill and eat llamas to bet. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Are there there exports to Canada that are illegal? Yeah. (laughs) What trade you for Bieber? (laughs) That's a tough trade. Let me think. All right. (laughs) Gentlemen, may you taste the sweetness of the world to come in this life. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come, and your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One, blessed is He. May you have the self-control to not eat meat that's been... No, may you have the self... Sorry, I I got lost. May you have the self-control to look straight before you, May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah, and may your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge, your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear the words of the Ancient of Days. Amen. 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 Thank you, David. God bless you.